Let's move on. Allah says, Ala siratim mustaqim. On a straight path. You know, upon a straight path. I mean, siratim mustaqim is something you've heard about so many times before. But what is this doing here? First of all, I want you to understand that upon a straight path, ala siratim mustaqim. I don't like the word upon really. I like committed to. The ala here, the luzum, suggests you're committed to a straight path. You're committed to a straight path. But the first question I want to answer is, who is committed to a straight path? What do you think? What's the, it's obvious. I swear by the Qur'an full of wisdom, and how well-knit it is, and how, much, how strong verdicts it has. No doubt you must be, you are from those that truly have been sent upon a straight path. Who's on a straight path? The Prophet himself. But not only the Prophet. Not only the Prophet Even the ones that have been sent. They were on a straight path, and so are you. It applies to both of them. Now the ala siratim mustaqim applies to both of them. Now why is that important? Imagine a road. And if you're on this road, and you're the only one on this road, and everybody else is trying to push you off the road, and you're moving forward, and they're just trying to, they're yelling at you, they're, get off this road, why are you here, etc., etc. You're going the wrong way, you're the only one going that way. And Allah is encouraging you to keep going. And then he says, by the way, you're not the first one to go down this road. I had other people go down this road too. You understand? So now you're, you're going to look for them even more because if somebody has navigated this road and faced all of its challenges before you, then you will look to them as an example and they will help you navigate it better. They will make this journey easy. The, by the way, you do this in real life. You're traveling on a road you get the report that there's some traffic or there's some, you know, are there a lot of cops on this road? Some of you have those like radar things in your car or whatever. But it ran out of batteries or something. You call your friend, yo, I'm on the, I'm on the George Bush. Or I'm on, I don't know what tollways you have here. There's too many of them. You know, Sam Houston or something. And you, so you have, I'm on this road. Are there a lot of cops on here? Or should I, you know, do it? No, 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 bro, I was there out last week, they got me a ticket. Okay, okay, I'll stay within the halal limits. You know, so you look for someone else who's gone down the road, and they help you navigate it better. Again, a, a source of support. Then the other thing. The Prophet ﷺ gives these really uncompromising, unapologetic verdicts through the word of Allah. Allah speaks like a master. He doesn't speak like a slave. He speaks like a master. And so He speaks with authority. And it's, people find it offensive. Because they don't hear Allah speaking. Who do they hear speaking? The Prophet ﷺ. Who are you to talk like this? So they get offended. But does the Prophet stop? No. And every day, does he have to keep making more progress on the, the same path? Now if you make progress on the same path, tell me, isn't it logical that you're going to get more trouble? You're going to get more and more and more trouble. There's going to be more and more pressure for you to take a turn. The more you make, the more you make progress, the more resistance, the more opposition, and the more there's a chance that you will, you know, you can handle a little bit pressure. Tomorrow you have to handle more pressure. The day more, then the day more, then the day more. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. It's not going to get easier. It's going to get tougher. A normal human being can only handle so much pressure before what happens? They push. They, they take a turn. But the Prophet ﷺ, his toughness, his commitment is being highlighted. And the commitment of those Prophets are being highlighted because they're on a straight path and they never flinch. They never flinch. 
People come to them with attack. People come to them with ridicule. People come to them with threats. People come to them with threats of exile and of killing, of torture. They don't budge. Their family comes to them. Their elders come to them. Their political leaders come. Everybody comes to them. They don't flinch. They're committed. This is the idea of the toughness required. And by the way, that itself is proof that he has to be a messenger. Why would he put himself in this much pain? That it, we're still continuing the idea that this Qur'an, carrying this Qur'an, you can only do so if you were sent. Because it just brings way too much trouble. Like, like one of the Mufassirun said, إِلْتِزَامُهُ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى نُبُوَّتِهِ وَسِيرَتِهِ دَلِيلٌ كَمَا أَنَّ الْقُرْآنَ دَلِيلٌ This is important now. The Qur'an, because of its perfection that I talked about, the three kinds of perfection of the Qur'an, itself is proof. And now the Prophet's commitment to this cause itself is proof. They're, all, they're again a proof. But then there's that last thing I want to tell you about this ayah. عَلَى صِرَاتٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ It doesn't say upon the, or committed to the straight path. It says committed to a straight path. صِرَاتٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ فَنَكَّرَ الْلَفْظِ He made it nakira, made it common. There's a difference between saying the straight path and a straight path. Because in Fatiha, we don't say guide us to a straight path. We say guide us to the straight path. on it. Here it's not. What does that do? Actually this, when you take Al off, it means it's something unknown. It's something unknown. And even though Allah is talking to the Prophet ﷺ, who else is listening? Quraysh are listening. And Quraysh may not know a lot about the Qur'an, and we'll see that they may, they, they may or may not. But they know one thing. They know the Prophet ﷺ. And even if he doesn't say a word, they can tell the way he lives is some kind of straight road. He's a really straight arrow. He always does things the right way. In other words, even if you don't know all the details, just observing his character will give you the conclusion that this is some kind of a straight path. Just observing the Muslim is enough. Especially this messenger That itself will give off the vibe That there's a straight path here Has Allah mentioned Himself yet? No He didn't say anything about Himself Not yet He did say He's been sent You have been sent You're committed to a straight path But sent by who? And where is this wisdom of the Qur'an coming from? How is it speaking with such authority? Finally that question is answered and it's answered with such emphatic language Tanzeel al-Aziz al-Rahim Three words And the first word Tanzeela For those of you that know a little bit of Arabic Al-Nasb ala al-Ighra There's a fatha on it You know what that means? That you don't say that nicely You don't recite Tanzeel al-Aziz al-Rahim Allahu Akbar Nope when it's tanzila like that, that means that Allah Azza wa Jal is speaking with great authority. Revelation! Like it's, it's not normally said. It's like exclamations embedded in the Arabic grammar. It's an exclamation. Listen up! What this is, is something that has been sent down. Revelation. Revelation of who? Belonging to who? Al-Aziz, Al-Rahim. Two names of Allah here. Al-Aziz means the one who has the authority and commands respect. Al-Aziz means two things. The one who has authority and commands what? Respect. I want you to understand that because there are two kinds of people sometimes. There's the kind of people that have authority, but they have no respect. It could be a police officer has authority, but he doesn't have respect. Like what we saw in Baltimore. 
right? They have authority but no respect. But there also could be people that have respect but no what? No authority. Neither of them have izzah. Izzah in Arabic is not like izzah in Urdu. It's not like that. Izzah in Arabic is when you have respect, at the same time you have authority. That's when you have izzah. When he says, this is the revelation of the one who commands respect. The ultimate authority. Allah Azza wa is telling us something very powerful. You remember one of the three qualities of the Qur'an is that it gives verdicts? Well, who has the right to give verdicts? The one who has the authority. And even if somebody has the authority and they give a verdict, sometimes like Judge Judy, I used to watch a lot of Judge Judy with my mom. Judge Judy gives verdicts. You young man, you be quiet. Like, you know, she does that. It's awesome. And then, you know, you get $500, get out of my face. And then, you know, and, and they, I love the interviews outside. I love those. Especially of the guy that loses. Because the guy that wins are so inarticulate. Yeah, I got my $500, I'm really happy. You know, that's all they say. But the guy that loses... She's so unfair. I can't believe that she... How is she even a judge? Or something, you know? In other words, they had a, she, her verdict had authority, but it didn't command what? It didn't command respect. Allah Azza wa says, this Qur'an is full of verdicts, and those verdicts deserve to be taken seriously because they come from the authority and they need to be respected. And that's captured inside the word Al-Aziz. It's actually going back to the word Al-Qur'an Al-Hakim in that sense. Now, it answers the question, who is this revelation from? It talks about, you know, these verdicts. Man hukum But it also says something else. Tanzil. What does the word tanzil mean? Something that comes from above. In other words, let me answer this question. Who is his teacher? Who sent him? Where did the wisdom of the Qur'an came from? It came from above. And that means that you have no access to it. Which means this is something no human being could have come up. It didn't come from the left or the right, the east or the west. It didn't come from a different village. It didn't come from a scholar. It didn't come from other universities. It came from above. Somewhere that education, you know, we go, when we go for education, we go east or west. North or south. That's where we go for education. We can't go up for education. But this, this man's education is coming from above. Which means you will have no access to it. This is way beyond your reach. This again reinforces what is the Qur'an, it's too perfect in its wisdom because it's from above. It's too well knit. You can only tighten it like that if it's from above. And it gives these verdicts that can only come from above. That's why the word tanzil. But then the last name of Allah here, tanzil al-azizi, al-rahim. What does al-rahim mean? You guys know what it means? The merciful. The one who loves, the one who cares. The one who always loves and cares by the way. Al-Rahim. What is the word Al-Rahim doing? I understand what Aziz is doing here now. But what is the word Al-Rahim doing there? Who did this message come to? The Prophet ﷺ. Why him? Why not anybody else? The Qur'an itself will tell us, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ We did not send you except as a rahmah. The Prophet ﷺ is the most merciful human being that ever lived. So the Qur'an, which is the authority, had to be delivered on the tongue of the most merciful human being that ever lived. And that is an act of Allah's mercy. Allah's mercy to humanity is Rasulullah ﷺ. So on the one hand, the Qur'an is Aziz, and the Rasul is from Ar-Rahim. Rasulullah is not authoritative. What is he? He's merciful. The Qur'an is authoritative. Both of them had to come together. The messenger and the message. They both have to come together. One thing I didn't mention about these ayat that I should mention now before we move on, because this is the finishing of this subject. 
We're still in, you know, part one of the surah. How many parts did I say? I don't know if you remember. Good job, six parts. We're still in part one. One thing I should say is that there are two things. When Allah guides, there are two parts. There's the message and there's the messenger. There's the message and there's the messenger. Now when Allah says, وَالْقُرْآنِ الْحَكِيمِ إِنَّكَ لَمِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ He validates the message. The message is way too perfect for it to be human. That's done. That takes care of the message. But that's only half the story. You can't just have a message. What do you, what do you also need? A messenger. So the message is perfect. What about the messenger? Well, let me tell you about the messenger and his character. عَلَى صِرَاتٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ He's committed to a straight path. In other words, the Prophet ﷺ has to demonstrate the highest character for guidance to happen. Guidance does not just happen from a message, it happens when the message and the messenger both are ideal. The message is already ideal, and now the messenger is ideal. Let me give you a worldly example to help you understand that. Politicians can give really good speeches, but if they have a bad track record, if people know that they've been corrupt before, does the good speech mean anything? It doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. Because their actions, especially those caught on film, are louder than words. So no matter what they say, it doesn't count anymore. You know the Prophets ﷺ have lived an entire life of credibility? Right? So that, that has to be part of the guidance. If, if the Messenger doesn't have credibility, then the message itself doesn't have credibility. Even if it's from Allah. Now, let's move forward. The Prophet is still being spoken to. Allah says, لِتُنذِرَ قَوْمًا مَا أُنذِرَ آبَاءُهُمْ Why did I send this incredible revelation to the ultimate authority, the all-merciful, from the all-merciful? Why did He send it to you, sallallahu alayhi wa He says, so you can warn a nation whose ancestors were not warned. And therefore they are completely clueless. I'll translate it again. لِتُنذِرَ قَوْمًا مَا أُنذِرَ آبَاءُهُمْ فَهُمْ غَافِلُونَ So you could warn a nation whose ancestors were not warned at all, Therefore, they are completely clueless, completely heedless, just totally unaware. That's why you were given this revelation. Okay. Inside this ayah, the first thing to note is that if you've been sent to warn, think about the word warning outside of religion. When do you get a warning? There's a storm coming. You guys know about those, Houston. The storm coming. You, the radio tells you a warning, television tells you a warning, your phone alerts go off, etc., etc. Yes? Warnings have to come from authoritative, reliable sources. Yes or no? It has to come from a source that has authority and a source you'll respect. Is there a word like that that we already covered? Aziz. If you have been sent to warn, you better be sent to warn by someone who can actually in a valid way warn or send the warning and that is Al-Aziz. You understand? So it's actually tied to the word. This is a flow. Now the second thing to note here. We are in this hall. Imagine there is no internet connection. There is no cell connection, etc. So you can't use Facebook like that person's using over there. This, you, can't, you can't do any of it. Okay? If there was something happening outside, if there was something happening outside, if there was some big news event outside, would you know? No. You wouldn't know. You cannot be warned unless the warning comes from the outside. Is that clear? If you're sitting in your basement, we don't have basements in Texas, if you're sitting in your media room, 
you know, playing a video game and you don't know what's going on outside, then you cannot be warned unless someone comes into the room. The Prophet ﷺ lives among them, yes or no? He lives among them. And now he's about to give them a warning. But by definition, a warning has to come from outside. So they're gonna question, where did the warning come from? Ah, the warning came from above. That's already been established, where? Where? Tanzeel al-Aziz al-Rahim. That's why the warning. Otherwise you can't warn. If you're living in the same living room, you're sitting in the same living room, hey, by the way, you can't warn. Where did you get this news from? You don't even have a phone. Now the second thing, or the third thing rather. Why do you warn someone? Hey, don't go on that road. Hey, stay home. Hey, don't do this. Why do you warn someone? Yeah, one of the most primary considerations for warning someone is you're concerned about them. You care about them. You love them. You don't want harm to come to them. And actually, that's the name of Allah, Ar-Rahim. The one who cares for you and wants to show you mercy, wants to avoid harm for you. The reason that you have been sent, the reason the Prophet ﷺ has been sent, to warn, because warning itself is an act of Allah's mercy. You know, some people complain, why does the Qur'an talk about hellfire? And I say, maybe we're not thinking about this clear enough. If somebody warned you about a, a storm or a flood, why are you talking about a flood? Floods are so bad. I'm in such a bad mood because you told me about a flood. Never talk to me again. I don't like talking to you. Like, you're gonna die. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, it's coming. Wouldn't be, why, why not appreciate the act of love that somebody is actually what? Warning you. Why does he have to spell it out? Why can't he just say, something bad's gonna happen? <laughs> if there's a tsunami coming and you tell someone, something bad's gonna happen, are you gonna take it seriously? It has to be spelled out. And that's an act of Allah's love. لِتُنْذِرَ قَوْمًا Now, oh, that, this I absolutely love. Oh my God. You know when you, we started the surah, we said, وَلِلْ قُرْآنِ الْحَكِيمِ And look, the Qur'an, full of wisdom. The Qur'an that is well named. The Qur'an that has verdicts. It's a the, not a. It's a the. As though the Qur'an is well known in Arab society now. The Qurayshis know about it. They've heard it enough. So when you say the, they know exactly what. They're not just thinking any recital, they're thinking that recital. It's known. And which nation was the Prophet sent to, sallallahu alayhi wasallam? He was sent to the Quraysh. But the Quraysh, and we all know that they're known people. They're very famous people. But look at how Allah talks about them in this ayah. He insults them from his position of authority. He said, you came to warn some nation. He doesn't say the nation. He says, some nation. Qawman. Some nation. The Quraysh are a proud people or no? That's the first insult already. When you say like this, you know, it's such, it's such a muhajama against them, such an attack against them, that you just say qawman. And then, okay, let me describe, and by the way, they were so proud of their ancestry. They used to be, you know, Banu Amir, Banu Hisham, they used to just take pride in their ancestry. And Allah says, some nation, let me tell you about their ancestry, they didn't know anything either. Their ancestors weren't warned either. You people think you're all that? You are nothing. You are insignificant, Allah is telling them. مَا أُنذِرَ آبَاؤُهُمْ You came to warn just some insignificant nation, even whose ancestors didn't get the blessing of revelation. مَا أُنذِرَ آبَاؤُهُمْ No wonder, فَهُمْ غَافِلُونَ They're completely heedless. They're completely clueless. Now let's talk about their cluelessness. 
I want you to appreciate it. You guys know where Hijaz is, the Arabian desert where the Prophet ﷺ came. Are there other superpowers in the neighborhood? Regions, other neighboring regions? Are there kingdoms and large civilizations in proximity? Yeah, sure. The, you know, there's the Abyssinians, there's the Persians, which is a massive civilization and an ancient one at that. There's the Roman Empire, right? There are many, many large, very old, very established civilizations. How established are the Arabs at the time? I mean, how many universities do they have? What kind of great history of you know, libraries and philosophy books do they have like the Romans or mythologies like the Greeks or something or statues or monuments or infrastructure or you know, massive roadways or coliseums or castles? N- nothing. They got nothing. Allah is saying to Quraysh, you are so proud of yourselves. You are so completely clueless. There are nations that are so much bigger than you. Who do you think you are? Who do you th- Why are you so full of yourself? You're nothing. Compared to the scene in the world, you are insignificant. People don't even want to invade you. Because there's no oil yet. <laughs> They've left you alone. Can you remember? The, the, the Romans don't want them. The Persians don't want them. What are we going to send our soldiers to get barbecued for? Camel doesn't taste that good. They leave it alone. They've left it alone for thousands of years. Every civilization wants to expand its territory, yes or no? So the question arises, why aren't they expanding their territory? Because it just ain't worth it, man. It just ain't worth it. So they left them alone. And you think you're all that? You know this kind of mentality happens to people when they live in a village, or they live in a closed bubble. They become really full of themselves. And they think they're all that. Not realizing nobody cares about them in the outside world. It can happen inside the boardroom of a masjid. Nobody cares in the outside. I'm the president of the... Nobody cares. Really, nobody cares. At all. Ever. (laughs) Does it happen or no? There, you know, I was... um, A friend of mine showed me a video of a a, a man from the, you know, the untouchable class in India. Hindu. Used to be Hindu. Left his religion. He just bashes... Hinduism on YouTube, and I'm not here to bash Hinduism, but his whole point was the entire religion was designed to create a class society. And he's at the lowest of the untouchables, and he lives in Northern California now, he's the head of a tech company, he makes millions of dollars, and he's highly, highly accomplished in his career, right? And he says, when I go back to my village, and if I sit on the bus right now, they won't sit next to me. I make more money than the village combined, and they won't sit next to me. I have more of an education than the entire village put together, and they won't sit next to me. Because in their little world, they are the top. In their little insignificant world. That is Quraysh, delusional about their power. This can happen to a mother-in-law. This can happen to a husband. It can. This can happen to parents. This can happen to an older sibling. This can happen to anyone who even has a little bit of power, and that power turns into a drug, and then they think they're on top and nobody can touch them. This is what the reality check Allah is giving Quraysh. You take pride in your ancestry? Yeah, they didn't have a clue either. They weren't warned either. فَهُمْ غَافِلُونَ Then, not only is that not enough, that you're unaware of the fact that the world moves on and you've stayed in the same place for centuries. The world has advanced and you've stayed exactly where you were. On top of that, you're even so unaware of your own ignorance. You guys don't know anything. You don't know anything. 
You're an uneducated people. You're being given the gift of a high education from Allah. You have no idea. By the way, when, when a, a, a community has not had education for a long time, it stops valuing education. Right? It, it doesn't see it as important anymore. Actually, it starts looking down on people that do give an education. And then they get scared of education because they know when you get educated, you change. So now they're, they're, they'd like to keep things ignorant. You know, I, I highlight these things because this is not just a problem of Quraysh. The Muslims. Not, I don't care about talking about anybody else. We should talk about ourselves. Parts of the Muslim world. Huge parts of the Muslim world. And even ourselves. Completely uneducated on a number of things. And we'd like to keep it that way. Because it's uncomfortable to learn new things and want to change. It's not comfortable. Then what else are they heedless of? The fact that Allah has given them the most merciful human being that ever lived. And the greatest word that ever came. Came catered to them. Custom revealed for Quraysh. We have to learn about Quraysh to learn about the Qur'an. The book that was for all humanity can only be understood properly when you understand the people it came to. Yes? Allah made them the most significant historical group of people to study for the Muslims across continents, across languages, and across civilizations until Judgment Day. And they're in complete denial that they're sitting in the company of Rahmatul Alameen. They have no clue who they're denying. They have no appreciation for what they've just received. If they had any idea, if they could just look into the future, just a hundred years into the future, if they could look two hundred years into the future, if they knew what this Qur'an did for the world, what did the Qur'an do for the world? What did Islam do for the world? What did it do in Andalus? What did it do in Dimashq? What did it do in Iraq? What did it do in India? What it did for the world? These people have no clue and they're just sitting there going, ah, we don't care. Completely clueless. And the final thing I want to highlight about how clueless they are, happens to be about, you know, uh, uh, really it's an example of cluelessness. Sometimes you don't know who you're talking to. It happens, yeah? you don't know who you're talking to. And you act kind of stupid, not realizing that you're talking to somebody important. This actually happened one time um, in one of the gatherings, one of the shuyukh was telling me, his, his wife is also a teacher. She teaches uh, Islamic studies. Very famous, not going to name any names. So he's at Hajj. And one of the people in the group is talking to him. He has no idea who he is. And he says, yeah, this woman, she teaches. She's an Israeli spy. <laughs> and he's 20 minutes talking about how the Jews are funding her to corrupt the Muslims. And he's talking to her husband. <laughs> Sometimes you're talking to someone and you have no idea who you're messing with. Does that happen? Sure. When they deny and make fun of or reject the message of the Qur'an, are they just denying the Prophet? This is a high crime against the ultimate authority, Al-Aziz. Like, you know, and the more someone has authority, the more you want to watch it. You guys develop taqwa when you see a cop on the road. <laughs> you know, you sit a more you, you sit like a human. You don't sit like you know like a pendu in a courtroom. You sit like a human because the judges, the Judy's gonna see you. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna sit properly because you're in this you know in this position where you have to show some respect. You see, there's protocol when you are in the presence of authority and respect. There's protocol. They are in the presence of the word of Al Aziz. And they have no protocol. 
completely clueless who they're messing with. Completely clueless of the power he has to punish. The consequences that this may bring. So this is, you know, فَهُمْ uh, غَافِلُونَ Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thanks for watching these videos. If you'd like to continue to support Quran Weekly, please click the link in this video. Thank you.